ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. It's tempting to see whistleblowing in simple binary terms. Right and wrong, fact and fiction, hero and villain. But the truth is, some whistleblowers have secrets too. I'm Adele Ferguson and this is The Whistleblowers, a series by Background Briefing. Kathy Jackson exposed the corruption and cronyism inside the powerful health services union, which she led at the time. But all was not as it seemed. And while this story does involve a brave and selfless whistleblower, that person's name is not Kathy Jackson. On the steps of Victoria's Parliament House, a rabble of workers has gathered. There are occupational therapists, speech pathologists, physios and other healthcare workers all campaigning for better pay. Some hold up a giant purple banner like they're hanging a curtain. Emblazoned in bright white lettering is the phrase, no pay, no way. It's a peaceful protest, but it's loud. And leading the crowd is a fired-up union boss, megaphone in hand and a purple union-coloured handkerchief tied neatly around her neck. As far as the government's concerned, it's doctors and nurses and nobody else. This is Kathy Jackson. And for many years on televisions across the country, she was the face of underpaid, overworked healthcare workers fighting for a fair go. Well, let them work a system with doctors and nurses and nobody else and let's see what happens. In dispute after dispute, Cathy led her union on the picket line and at the negotiating table. The longer this dispute goes on, the longer and the harder we'll hit them. She climbed the ranks of the union movement and behind the scenes became a powerful figure among the so-called faceless men of the Labor Party. In 2008, she was appointed National Secretary of the Health Services Union and became one of the most prominent union officials in the country. But in 2011, Cathy turned her gaze inward, and it wasn't about pay conditions or workers' rights. She began a new campaign to expose the dirty deeds of her own colleagues inside the union. And she rebranded herself as a whistleblower exposing corruption and gaining new political allies along the way. Speaker, uh, Cathy Jackson is a brave, decent woman, and she's speaking up on behalf of 70,000 members. Cathy Jackson is a revolutionary, Madam Speaker. And Cathy Jackson will be, remembered, will be remembered as a lion of the union movement. She spectacularly turned two of her former union allies over to police for using members' money to live the high life. Between them, the two union honchos had skimmed well over a million dollars from hospital cleaners and suburban physios to fund escorts, mortgage repayments and private school fees. And one of them, Craig Thompson, was an MP who sat on the government's benches. Since these allegations were first raised, I have consistently and on many occasions made it clear that I have done nothing wrong. Cathy was now demanding an inquiry into union corruption and her new fan, Prime Minister Tony Abbott, was all ears. The government will be recommending the appointment of a Royal Commission into union governance and corruption For Cathy Jackson, it was a remarkable win. 
We ask that you all be my witnesses that I proposed it first. <laughs> It'll be a case of um, Abbott adopting the Jackson policy and not the reverse. But when she got the Royal Commission she called for, everything began to unravel for Cathy Jackson. Because behind this whistleblower was another person blowing the whistle. And you've probably never heard of him. While Cathy Jackson was rubbing shoulders with the Prime Minister, Craig McGregor was trudging hospital corridors. I was a radiographer. I worked in hospitals for the best part of 20 years. Craig's a dad who nowadays almost exclusively wears union T-shirts. But back then, he was in hospital scrubs. He says his passion for industrial relations and healthcare were fueled by the same drive, to help others. I wanted to do a socially worthwhile line of work. You know, I wanted to help people. And I thought working in healthcare was a really good way of doing that. Uh, my mum was a nurse and influenced me on that front. And I really enjoyed working with patients. It was a very rewarding job. While Cathy Jackson had spent most of her working life in a union, Craig McGregor had never worked in one at all. He was just the guy behind the x-ray machine, but he'd been a long-time member of Cathy's union and wasn't particularly impressed by what he saw. I thought that the industrial outcomes for a long time had been bad, that we hadn't been properly represented, and the union seemed to be more interested in party politics um, and factional politics than in looking after the members. And as for Cathy Jackson, the whistleblowing hero, he'd always found her underwhelming. We would have mass meetings where she would field questions from um, the audience, from the membership, and never once did she manage to um, put together a sentence that made much sense to me. So I knew her as an incompetent union leader, and I knew her as someone who'd never been an allied health professional and didn't really understand the needs of the membership. Craig McGregor was initially shocked at the revelations Cathy was bringing to light. He was furious when he found out Craig Thompson had spent union funds on sex services and his run for parliament. Even as a rank-and-file member, Craig McGregor had seen glimpses of the largesse. There'd be a union credit card put on the bar and young Labor would be um, shouted drinks all night on a regular basis. But when the rumour was proven to be far more than that... um, Yeah, I was angry. Craig wasn't an expert in political machinations. He was the x-ray guy. But he was not going to let this slide. He cashed in his long service leave and spent six months campaigning to lead his local branch, which represented allied health professionals like him. His message to prospective voters was simple. He was going to clean up the union. I was really driven by a sense of... um, wanting justice and wanting to return the union to the membership. I felt that it was, this is an allied health union and it belongs uh, in the hands of allied health professionals. After months of traipsing from hospital to hospital on the campaign trail, the election arrived and Craig's partner, Sarah, was scrutineering. I was pregnant and had my little notepad there and I was, you know, doing a little tally as things came through and it was pretty close for a while for the first half of the election, um, the count, and then um, as things transpired, you know, my spirits started to lift because you could see a clear trend establishing itself. Craig was taking x-rays at work when Sarah phoned him with the news. I was able to go out and make the phone call to say that it was in the bag and it was, yeah, it was very, very exciting and very happy. (laughs) It was just overwhelming. 
You know, I'd been used to turning up in my scrubs every day at a hospital for an 8am start or, or, you know, a midnight finish or whatever um, to all of a sudden, oh, my God, I'm an industrial relations person now. But there was no time to party. It was a Friday and Craig started the new job on Monday. The handover was a mess and he spent that weekend trying to find keys to his new office. The Allied Health branch had just been demerged from some other branches of the union. And that meant that with no formal experience, Craig was faced with rebuilding it. When he first came in on that first day, the only thing that was there for him to build upon was piles of shredded documents underneath the tables. In the chaos wrought by the demerger, it took months before Craig could get a clear picture of the state of his branch. Banks blocked access to old statements and whole tubs of paper records had gone missing. Eventually... The information dribbled in and alarm bells started to ring. The first thing we discerned was that cash money was being taken out at the branch of the bank, eight, ten thousand dollars just taken out in cash money and no record of where that money went or what was being done with it. This was Kathy Jackson's old branch. I was stunned by the brazen nature of the cash withdrawals. It was just beyond, you know, any suspicions I had about misappropriation. Could the self-styled corruption whistleblower have been pilfering members' funds, just like the union bosses she blew the whistle on? This was just staggering to me, and it was so obviously improper. Cash money is very handy because it cannot be tracked. As Craig and his accountant pieced together the records, it became clear that Kathy Jackson had been treating the union accounts like her personal credit card. Craig's partner Sarah remembers their shock. It was his accountant, I think, who managed to go through all the books and almost literally find out where all the bodies were buried. Finding that evidence for it was quite... I guess I still feel quite shocked by it. And the scale of it was so... was quite incredible. People wouldn't believe you when you you said, oh, no, we've seen this in the books. We've seen how the mortgage got paid or how the pram was bought or the shopping trips that happened or the bottles of tequila or whatever it was, and people wouldn't, wouldn't believe it. Reeling from what he'd discovered, Craig was at a loss for what to do next. Inside the union, Kathy Jackson was still the national boss and had enormous influence at every level. Plus, the union movement was extremely sensitive to how corruption allegations would play out in the media, feeling it was already under attack. The government was really looking to tarnish the reputation of trade unions. But if he did nothing, wouldn't that make him just as bad as her? Craig knew the union would be furious if he went public, but he saw no alternative. I felt anxious, I felt nervous, I felt that I would be targeted, but I felt that it was absolutely the right thing to do. I had a couple of friends who were journalists at Fairfax and I sat down with those closest to me over a beer one night and said, hey, look, I've got this information that clearly shows the Jackson narrative is bullshit. Fairfax newspapers had been a key outlet for Cathy Jackson. It had helped her expose lavish spending of union funds on jet skis, private school fees and underground cellars. But now Craig was telling Fairfax... She was suspect. One of the journalists he spoke to was investigative reporter Nick McKenzie. I must say I was reticent and reluctant at the start because I think I was one of those who bought the Kathy Jackson story. 
she'd really suckered everyone into thinking she was a hero. But then in meeting Craig, I mean, I remember he struck me as such a decent, honest, and had that sort of zeal of a whistleblower. I think he knew that if he was going to convince a journalist that, in fact, maybe not all that glistens is gold, maybe she's a crook, he needed the evidence to back it up and he brought it. Nick and his colleagues got to work laying out the extent of Cathy's spending sprees. The lead-up to that publication date was incredibly nerve-wracking. It was bound to do reputational damage to the union movement and to the HSU. Well, it was full of dread. This morning's Fairfax papers are reporting that Cathy Jackson ran a secretive union slush fund that siphoned off nearly $300,000 of members' money to help support... With Tony Abbott's Royal Commission just around the corner, Fairfax newspapers dropped a bomb. The commission's star witness wasn't who she seemed to be. Craig McGregor, what can you tell us about this $300,000 worth of members' money and what happened to it in the past? Kathy Jackson had created a slush fund with hundreds of thousands of dollars that was supposed to be back pay for cancer researchers. Instead, she was spending it on herself and her fights to win power in the Labor Party. There was dodgy, dodgy money. There was a funny money system going on of slush funds and of, of using union money, money that should be going to union members, hardworking union members, to enrich Kathy Jackson's empire. And then there was the credit card spending. Nick McKenzie and his colleagues tallied around a million dollars of union funds that they claimed Kathy had used to reimburse her personal credit cards. The federal court later found Kathy had spent $300,000 for personal purposes using union credit cards without authorization. It was brazen, it was corrupt, it was wrong. And it really spoke to this self-entitlement, this sense that Cathy Jackson had that the union was her plaything. I mean, these union members of this union in particular, some of them are the really lowly paid, and to take their benefits to enrich yourself, to build your political and personal empire, that's disgusting. It was almost as if she thought she was untouchable, that no one would ever be able to bring her down because she was way too powerful. Needless to say, Kathy was not happy about the news breaking. I called her up and put allegations to her, and I was firm and polite, and it was like encountering, you know, a tornado of, of venom. And I, she, I remember she called me a conniving poodle. Get in her way and she'll bulldoze you. And had she gotten away with it, you can bet one thing that she would have absolutely crushed Craig. It wasn't just Kathy who saw this as a declaration of war. Craig says many of his colleagues felt he'd just fueled Tony Abbott's narrative of union corruption. There was a view that the union needs to keep its dirty laundry internal and wash it itself, and that view was put to me very firmly. And elements of the media were critical too. Well, Craig McGregor, why shouldn't people see this as just yet another chapter in the quite tedious internal factional fighting in the HSU? Is it not a way of doing something about a re-election campaign? Uh, no, 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 and no, I'd really take offence to that. Craig had blown the whistle, but his revelations weren't being taken seriously. He was being written off as just another factional operator. His last hope was the Royal Commission, because if they couldn't get to the bottom of it, who could? And so Craig got on the plane to Sydney, where hearings were unfolding as both sides of politics watched anxiously. He touched down in June 2014. 
This was his chance to give evidence. But would the commission truly delve into Kathy Jackson's spending or give her another stage to play the hero whistleblower? I've been waiting for this day for a very long time and I'm here to give evidence and to, give, to tell the truth about what happened in my union. Craig took the stand the day after Kathy. Instead of going into the detail of his evidence, the commission seemed focused on Craig's tactics. I thought that the allegations and the evidence we had was really strong and that the commission would be supportive and were there for the right reasons, in, in part. And uh, I was quickly disabused of that notion. The commission asked why, if Craig was so interested in fair process, he hadn't put the allegations to Jackson before airing them publicly. It also asked why Craig went to the media before the commission and branded his evidence speculation. He couldn't quite believe what he was hearing. I was pilloried on the stand and allegations were put to me about inappropriate behaviour on my part as really as a way of controlling the media message. Watching this unfold was senior journalist from the Australian Brad Norrington, who later wrote a book about the whole saga called Planet Jackson. He says there was a vocal pro-Cathy contingent at the hearings. Among them was Michael Lawler, vice president at the Fair Work Commission and Cathy Jackson's partner at the time. To Lawler, Norrington wasn't just a journalist doing his job. He'd aired Craig's evidence and was therefore part of an anti-Jackson conspiracy. When he spotted me, he turned around and he just said, Norrington, you're a disgrace. And I said, oh, really? Why's that? And he said, you will be facing lawyers in a few days. How dare you say those things about my beloved? What you have done is either stupid or poodleness. And I said, uh, well, what do you mean by poodleness? And then he said, a poodle to the ALP. Team Cathy were trying to write off her critics, including Craig, as puppets, having their strings pulled by the faceless men of the Labor Party. And when Craig took the stand, he felt the commission had completely swallowed this line. I thought, you know, naively that the commission would treat me fairly and I did not feel that things transpired in that way. Sarah remembers Craig returning home to his three kids. He looked crushed. He was just um, unable to really function very well um, because he was so stressed and worried about the fact of having gone and made these allegations public. He thought his career would be over and that, you know, life as we knew it was all kind of under threat. People couldn't understand who was the real whistleblower and who wasn't. It's almost like you had to shift a very powerful political consciousness and public consciousness about who Cathy Jackson was as a person who, whose heart was allegedly in the right place, whereas the truth of it was she was a fake whistleblower. As for Craig's evidence, it seemed to journalist Brad Norrington that the commission didn't really delve into it. But journalists like him started putting together the pieces on their own. When I then looked at those accounts, because they were shown on the Royal Commission website, I found that you could actually piece together Jackson's spending and you could actually build a narrative of where she'd been at any one time during certain trips or certain flourishes of spending. And 
it bothered me that the Royal Commission didn't even look at those things. Craig's evidence was becoming impossible for the Commission to ignore. Following the media uproar, the Commission recalled Cathy Jackson and applied the blowtorch. She was grilled about withdrawing $50,000 from a union account the day before she paid this same figure to her ex-husband as part of their divorce settlement. Startled by the about-face, Cathy hit back, speaking to journalists on the doorsteps of the Commission. And these people at the Health Services Union rely on, you know, a judicial gang rape of Cathy Jackson because they can afford to do it. They've got lawyers, guns and money. Adding insult to injury, the Health Service Union's barrister was a former lover. I just could not believe they had the audacity to sit there and want to cross-examine me. Forget the former lover stuff, everybody makes mistakes and has a charity shag along the way. (laughs) As for the slush fund she was accused of using, she said it's no big deal. Everybody has one. All these um, slush funds that all unions have, all unions have, so you need to have these funds to make sure that these vultures that are circling these unions to take them over aren't able to do that. She said her disputed spending had been approved, but the minutes that proved it were all held in one exercise book that had gone missing. Cathy Jackson still maintains today that the records that would exonerate her were destroyed by senior figures in the HSU. She told us through her lawyer that the records were removed to implicate her in misconduct as retribution for her whistleblowing. The commission ultimately found that while Cathy Jackson was instrumental in revealing the conduct of Craig Thompson to authorities, she had her own dark side. She'd misused her position to further her own interests and political ambitions over a period of years. And it didn't end there. In 2015, Cathy was ordered by the federal court to pay the union $1.4 million, plus another million in interests and costs. When the judgment was handed down, I was at work, of course, and we were elated, you know, we were absolutely elated. While the Royal Commission referred Cathy to police, she was only found guilty on four out of dozens of charges. The court heard that she'd spent union funds on a Mercedes, jewellery, and an extensive collection of DVDs. She'd travelled the world on the union's dime, including taking her family to France and popping to Hong Kong and India on a shopping spree. She received a two-year sentence wholly suspended, with the judge citing her history of mental health issues. It seemed manifestly unfair that Cathy's criminal sentence was suspended. She should have served her time behind bars. Cathy has disappeared from the public view. Her career ended. So the whole time, I've been wondering, why would she call for the inquiry that unravelled her? Why report her union allies when it would only invite more eyes on the books? The way Craig sees it, Cathy didn't really have a choice. She was forced by the national executive to investigate Craig Thompson and then refer him to police. To Craig, she was never a whistleblower. Here's Cathy, the hero, um, exposing the wrongdoing of Craig Thompson, and, and, and that's completely fictitious. Fictitious and self-serving. Michael Williamson was the other union acolyte exposed alongside Thompson. Craig is convinced Cathy turned on Michael before he could turn on her. Cathy and Michael, I think, fell out 
thieves inevitably fall out, you know, because one knows what the other one's done and there's suspicion, you know, and there's there's a lack of trust that develops. You know, thieves can't trust one another. <laughs> They're inherently untrustworthy people and they were bound to fall out and they did. Kathy had turned a blind eye to Michael Williamson's corruption for 12 years. Still, he might not have spent five years behind bars if it hadn't been for her. We asked Kathy for an interview, but she didn't respond. In a statement from her lawyer, she maintained that she was a whistleblower and played an important role in bringing Craig Thompson and Michael Williamson to justice and in having the HSU included in the Royal Commission. She says her decision to expose corruption cost her her career, her reputation, all her assets, her relationship and 10 years of her life. Today, Cathy still owes the union $2.5 million. She declared bankruptcy twice. She's since been discharged from her bankruptcy, but the union is still chasing its money. It seems like it will never come to an end. That The project has been over 10 years now and we still haven't got to the end of it. But there's renewed hope the union might see some of that money returned. Kathy recently inherited a share of a $27 million estate from a wealthy Sydney barrister. But she told us, through her lawyer, that how that money is distributed will be up to her bankruptcy trustee. Oh, we can finally close the door on this whole long, ugly saga if we get the money back. That will be a, you know, a hugely uh, important day for the membership. We can put the money back where it belongs, in, in their union. He's still working in the same office. The only trace of the Kathy Jackson era is a Charles Blackman painting she famously bought with members' money. Craig's planning to add a plaque as a monument to transparency. But it's taken some time to make light of it all. The experience almost destroyed him. The whole affair took a really significant toll on my family and my relationship, not just with my partner, but with my, my parents, my siblings and my friendships, it became very dark for me over a long period. I became very depressed and I started to drink in a really dark way. Finally, Craig got into a rehab program and turned his life around. I took a long period of leave from work and got my life back on track, but that was hard, Yakka, and it took me a number of years but, you know, I've come out the other side and, um, you know, life, life's really good. In the office, he's wearing one of his staple union shirts. But when Craig gets home, he changes into one his kids made. It says world's best dad. Yeah, I'm really enjoying being a father um, to my children and, and, you know, so I'm achieving great outcomes at home and great outcomes at work. And, you know, that's, that's a really amazing place to be. He doesn't like to think of himself as the whistleblower behind the whistleblower. In fact, it was never really about Kathy Jackson at all. It was about doing right by the members, and Kathy got in the way. So would he do it all again? Blow the whistle on a whistleblower who everyone wants to believe? I would blow the whistle on someone like Kathy Jackson any day of the week. I wish that my family hadn't have uh, endured such negative um, implications flowing from it, but on a personal level, um, 
yeah, absolutely. I have no regrets and, you know, would wear it again. Next week on The Whistleblowers. Dying patients, botched surgeries, and behind it all, a doctor who seems untouchable. I used to just feel sick to my stomach because he would come through that doorway and I would think, oh, God, what is he going to do now? The nurse who exposed the man known as Dr Death. That's in the next episode of The Whistleblowers. Background Briefing's sound producers are Lila Schunner and Ingrid Wagner. The reporter on this story was Annika Blau. Additional research by Madison Connaughton and Loney Cooper. Fact-checking by Ben Sveen. Our supervising producer is Mario Christodoulou. The executive producer is Fanu Falali. And I'm Adele Ferguson. You can subscribe to Background Briefing on the ABC Listen app. Thanks for listening.